We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yes, sir. Inside the 10 o'clock hour on the fan, KM to AM, we've got two hours left to take your calls, talk sports, and pass the time on this Thursday night, January 18th. Thanks for joining us. This is 101.9 FM. A fan in New York. I'm not going to waste any time. I think I've said enough. I think I definitely uh, triggered some Jets fans out there and some people that have something to say about football and some other things. So (laughs) without further ado, let's get right back to it. Mike in Mount Vernon, New York on The Fan. What's up, Mike? Yeah, what's up, Keith? Good to talk to you again. Yes, sir. You know, Salah, I mean, I want to like him, but you don't see the guy doing any coaching on the sideline, you know? And I mean, he just... Maybe they just don't show it, but, you know, him and his staff, real frustrating. And talking about the D, I would love to know the Jets' record over the last 10 years if they just scored, like, the league point-per-game average, like 23, 24, whatever, right? I bet you they're, like, 10 games over 500. Mike, it's an offensive league. When you look around the league at the fantasy points, the parlays, look at we just saw we just saw the Packers with Jordan Love in his first playoff start put up forty eight. We just saw a rookie quarterback and CJ Stroud put up forty five. Yeah, I know they had some pick sixes. Yeah, I know the defense helped. Everybody else a, is doing it. Yeah, it's a it's it's obvious that you need to do that. I mean, when I, when you talk about Rob Sala, it's three years. We've been we've been watching him on the sidelines for three years. If you haven't seen him coach a guy up in three years, yeah, no, no. The, the, the Jets in their history have every coach in 26 coaches or something. The Jets average is like three years per coach. It, it, it's a history. It's terrible. And the D, how long has the D carried this team, right? And then people say, oh, the D, they're, they're, they're not elite. Well, they're always on the field. How can you play when, when you're out there right? for and, 30 minutes a game? And, and how do you build half a team? You can't just build the defense and not build up the offense and also not expect there to be injuries and say, oh, well, you know, things just happened. It's football. You're supposed to have a plan. This year we saw that like half the league had to adapt to losing their starting quarterback. I know I don't have to go through the list of starting quarterbacks that went down this year, but everybody had a plan B and C just across the stadium. Daniel Jones got hurt. They had a plan B and C. And won games with Tommy Cutlets and Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, well, you know, I got nothing else left to say that you haven't heard already. Thanks for taking the call, and uh, have a good one. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for the call, Mike. I mean, I don't know. We're 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 we're, we're moving on to the divisional round, folks. The season has been over for a couple weeks. Really, the season's been over for a month and a half. <laughs> like, like we're we're gonna keep going over it because we don't have it anymore. And there's still just the thought of like what could have been. Like Mike is saying, what like what could have been if the offense was able to score? Just let it go, man. The conversation now should be on the draft, free agency, rooting against it. Like Jets fans root like hell that Josh Allen and the Bills are not what I think they are. I think they're a wagon. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Well, I think right now they have been playing playoff football. They can't wait to get revenge on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And then whoever they match up with, C.J. Stroud and the Texans, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, they're going to say, bring it. They have nothing to lose. 
They have nothing to lose. They lost a bunch of games this year. They had to fire Ken Dorsey this year. Sean McDermott potentially playing for his job. Joe Brady, talking about all the coaches becoming available. Joe Brady is a hell of an offensive coordinator that fast. We kind of knew that. We kind of knew that from LSU with Joe Burrow. And then I think he went to the Panthers for a little while, but like, it's the Panthers. What else is there to root for? Root again? The, the Giants had the best divisional round or wild card round ever, watching the Eagles absolutely fall flat on their faces and the Cowboys no-show. I don't know. Who are you rooting against? Um, you can't be rooting against the Lions. Everybody wants to see the Lions win. Maybe you're rooting against the Packers or maybe you're rooting for the Packers. Like for the Giant fan, you beat the Packers in your building. You want to see them go to the Super Bowl so you can say, hey, we knocked those guys off. Ali in Woodbridge, New Jersey on the fan. What's up, Ali? Hey, what's going on? Uh, thank you for taking the call. So I've actually been a Packers fan, and um, I've seen the whole transition from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. And to be honest, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is coachable at this point, right? So he drove Mike McCarthy out of there. And now with Robert Sala, I think it's a perfect fit for him because he takes care of the defense. And when Aaron Rodgers comes back, he's on the offense, right? He's going to take audibles all the time. But at the end of the day, I think for Jets fans, it's kind of you have a short window. But Rodgers at this point comes with a lot of the, you know, the locker room chemistry, all the McAfee stuff. It's all entertainment to the, at the end of the day. But when it comes to the football field, I think he still has talent. He can drive, you know, he can lead an offense where you don't need an offensive mind coach. That's that, that's what I feel like. If he was to get another coach, who would you suggest? There, There's no one to suggest. But what, what the whole premise of saying that, like, Rob Sala is the worst coach in the NFL and it's inept for the Jets to run it back is because generational coaches have become available this offseason. You have back-to-back miserable years for the Jets where there were high expectations, where they could have made the playoffs, they lost six games in a row and fell flat on their faces. And Rob Sala couldn't stop the bleeding, didn't know what to say to the press, didn't know what to say to the media. He's texting Joe Beningo. He, he's benching Zach Wilson again. They're starting Timmy Boyle. He's telling you, well, I told you Zach Wilson gave us the best opportunity to win. But, oh, we're, we're looking for a spark. We're going to Tim Boyle. But now we're going to cut Tim Boyle after he loses two games. Oh, we're going to go back to Zach. Zach is reluctant. But, no, Zach wants the ball. Okay, no, Zach. now Zach has concussed Trevor Simeon. Take us home. Yeah, I think the management of that situation was a little bit off. Um, but, but those guys are safe. Point, but those guys are good. Yeah. We'll see you next year for more ineptitude. Aaron Rodgers is going to coach the whole damn team. Aaron Rodgers is going to take the snaps. He's going to call the plays, take the snaps, coach everybody up on the field. He's that mighty. He's that powerful. At 40 years old, the Achilles is attached to the calf, to the ankle. Uh, he's still got to go out there and, and stay upright. They got it. That's what I'm saying. The conversation has to shift. We know where they lack in coaching. They don't have a good offensive coordinator. They don't have a good head coach. Jeff Ulbrich, he's a good defensive coordinator. Keith Carter, I don't know. I don't know what anybody thinks about him just based off of his own offensive lineman and running back publicly mocking him. So I think this. I think that the conversation should shift to how do the Jets shore their team up so that they can overcome the lack of coaching. How do they shore up this roster so that they can get to the playoffs, so that Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt, so that Aaron Rodgers does have weapons where all he has to do is be a 40-year-old distributor of the pill. Get the pill into the hands of Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, uh, another wide receiver, maybe you draft one. I don't know. 
get this offensive line together where Brees Hall has more more lanes to run and Aaron Rodgers isn't um, getting sacked and potentially having a season-ending injury. Thanks for the call, Ali. 877-337-6666. Gabe in Wayne, New Jersey. Gabe, thanks for holding. You're on the fan. Of course, man. Thank you for taking the call. I really appreciate it. Um, I just wanted to call and talk about Stroman for a second. I can't understand the hesitation about Stroman from a Yankee fan perspective. I'm a diehard Yankees fan, and I love this signing. I didn't like it. I didn't you know, say it was okay. I can settle with it. I loved it. This has been a pitcher that has performed under the bright lights of New York City and has performed extremely well for New York City. And in terms of all the social media posts and the things that he put, you know, Cashman and the Yankees on blast about, I'm a Yankees fan. I've talked more smack about the Yankees and Brian Cashman than Marcus Stroman ever did. And I know that that goes to be the truth for every other Yankee fan as well on Twitter. So I don't know what the hype is about. Not to mention, he's only ever spoken the truth. When he talked smack about the Will Ponds and Billy Epler, I mean, those are the same things that Mets fans are dogging the Mets about as an organization. So I don't understand what the, the, the hate for Marcus Stroman has been, the hesitation about Marcus Stroman has been. He's been an above-average pitcher for the vast majority of his career, and that is something that the Yankees have lacked in terms of being able to target in either free agency or trades over the past five years. Brian Cashman said Stroman wasn't a difference maker, right? I don't trust Brian Cashman's judgment. I mean, like, let's be, let's be totally frank, right? He went out there and he got Carlos Rodon after two good seasons, but five pretty mediocre seasons before that, and we saw how that panned out last Frankie year. Frankie Montas, Lou Trevino, Josh Donaldson, Josh Joey Gallo, Sonny Gray. Like, we can rattle off the guys that he thought the were going to be goes impact players. on and on and on, but he, he can't trade for pitchers, and it, it, it's been clear. So a guy like Stroman, passionate, loves the Yankees, grew up a Yankees fan, wants to perform under the bright lights, and has already done it and dealt with the criticism and the heat. That's the guy you want on the mound. That's the edge you want, not the Donaldson edge where he's 36 years old and is about to fall apart on best years are behind him. I want to see what you think. Yeah, he's too real, huh, Gabe? He's too real. He's too much like us. He goes on Twitter and expresses himself. He gets that thumb workout like everybody else gets. This is what I think about the Mets. This is what I think about the Yankees. The difference is he actually goes out there and pitches, which none of us can do. He actually can go out there and, and back it up. He's he's not bigger than anybody else. He's one of the smallest guys you see out there. But he can throw. He's got an arm. And he's got the moxie and the confidence to go out there and be a starter, a major league caliber starter. And now it connected. My first take on this Stroman thing was wrong. Because my first thought, and I actually I didn't bring it to air. But when I heard it, it came out of nowhere. So when you say you love the signing, at first I'm like, 0% chance that happens. Brian Cashman. <laughs> but then I thought about it and I'm like, we are not in any position to hold grudges. We are not in any position to, to worry about Twitter. This is a business. This is a team. This is an asset. And he took a team-friendly deal to come home to New York and live a lifelong dream of putting on the pinstripes. The guy wants New York. The guy's from New York. How many players on the Yankees do we actually get from New York that embody New York culture, the boroughs, the, the swag, the energy, the bravado that we as fans pull up to the stadium with. And then we're let down when we got to watch IKF, Josh Donaldson, Ben Rortvet. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm down for it. Um, he, he, he cut his hair. So we don't have to have the conversation about the do-rag right. that everybody was talking about. Oh, is he going to wear a do-rag under his fitted? No, he ain't got no hair. He's just going to put the Yankee cap on. And he's going to fall in line like I told you guys. There's no way he's coming here with Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole and Anthony Rizzo and Anthony Volpe and Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman trying to shake the room and act like he's 
better than anybody. He's going to act according, accordingly and fall into the Yankee way. And I think Yankee fans are going to like him when he performs. Now, is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to be a rock star? Right. Is he going to be an ace? We'll find out this season. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. I think that's the thing. It's like, what are we expecting out of him, right? Are we expecting him to be a frontline ace? We've got one of those, right? We don't need him to be that. But we do need uh, bullpen, sorry, rotation depth, and he gives us that and more. He's been an above-average pitcher for the past, what, six out of the past nine years? That That's what we're looking for. That's what we don't have. Carl yeah, yeah, but Gabe, head. he blocked me. He blocked me on Twitter. So I'm sorry about that, man. I'm, I'm sorry. So I can't believe I can't look first. at his tweets. I, I don't first. like him, but he blocked me, and I can't see his tweets, so I got a problem <laughs> with it. <laughs> got to get rid of him, then. I mean, that's 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 the deal breaker. No, right? I don't I mean, care. I, I, I do not care about that at all. When I actually thought yeah. about it, I'm like, you signed Marcus Stroman. He was an all-star last year. He was in the NL Cy Young conversation before he got hurt. We need pitching. We went 82-80. and 80. Uh, Joel Sherman said the Yankees made a desperate move. Yeah, you're damn right. We are desperate. Like, we need to win. We, we need to get back to doing what we were doing the years before we went 82-80 and, and 80 and not let that happen again. The Yankees made a desperate move. They didn't make any move at the trade deadline last year. And in the past couple of off-seasons when they were also desperate, again, similar movements, either small piece movements or no Or secondary so, moves, not going to get right. Luis Castillo, going to get exactly. Frankie Montas. Going to get settle. Joey Gallo, and then he folds in the bright lights. He did not embody the New York energy, the New York swag. His his energy was not what any of us were expecting. This guy couldn't he couldn't hit. He was the worst hitter we've seen in a Yankee uniform in a long time, maybe ever. How many starts did Montas make as a Yankee? Was it five, six? I, I, mean, I just remember Der- I just remember him ruin, ruining Derek Jeter night, and he he was dead to me after that. He did have a pretty good start for that one start last year, but I mean, that, that I don't, I don't remember it. I, I just remember he ruined Derek Jeter night. Him and Aaron Hicks. I was, I was so ready to uh, get them off the team, banish them. That was a good night until those guys started messing things up. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, Strowman is the beginning. I mean, of 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 positive movement by the Yankees. Soto was really the beginning, but I mean, you look at his season and now payroll that's exceeded three hundred million dollars. We're not so far for, removed from Hal Steinbrenner saying that. It shouldn't take $300 million to, to win championships, whatever the case may be. It doesn't seem like spending is a concern any longer. So, you know, you, you get more optimistic as a Yankees fan that they're actually listening to the fan base, that they're taking the criticism and they're trying to apply it. And I'm not saying it's going to be a perfect season. I'm not saying this is championship bound, but I'm liking the direction that they're heading and they're not, you know, sticking their heads in the sand like they have been for the past two years. Yeah, or resting on their laurels and thinking that they have enough. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Gabe. I mean... I know everybody out there isn't like, oh, they got to get Blake Snell. It's not enough. I don't trust cash, man. Um, See, the Yankees do this every year, Keith. How are you buying in? How are you content with this? It's not enough. It is enough. Look at the moves they've made. What other offseason has this been like in recent time? No, it's not the offseason where they went and got Carlos Beltran, Brian McCann, Jacoby Ellsbury, Masahiro Tanaka, but good. They didn't make the postseason that year. Farewell, captain year. No, it's not the offseason 2008 into 2009 when they got CC and Burnett and Teixeira. And, no, like it, times have changed, right? You can't just load up. You can't just go buy all of these starters, position players, and think you're going to manufacture a World Series that way. Look over in Queens. How'd that go for them? They've reversed course. Hello, Mets fans. We'll bring you into the conversation before the end of the night. Not throwing you under the bus, just using you as an example. 
You can't just buy a chip. You can buy pieces. You can build towards a chip like the Texas Rangers did. But even the first year with the Rangers going out and buying Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, they didn't they didn't get it all together right right then, but they kept going for it, right? They went for it the next offseason, and they made trades. And they brought in some guys, and then they got it done. The World Series, like, we don't know who's going to win the World Series. And the World Series, you can't predict because so many things happen through the course of a season. So many things just happen in October. They People were telling me for sure it was red October. The Phillies were going right back to the World Series. And then for two games, they couldn't hit. You, it, you have to get into the tournament. You have to get hot. You got to stay healthy. And, and I'm not looking for the New York Yankees team that Jim Duquette is predicting to win the AL East and, and be the best team in the American League. I don't care what anybody predicts. And shout out to Jim. Had Jim on a couple weeks ago. I don't care about anybody's predictions. I care about these guys showing up to camp and being humble about this, like, you know, conquest for 28, chase for 28, bringing a parade back to the city. I'm tired of hearing about it. It's been 15 years. We know. We know. But lock in, compete, raise the compete level. High tide raises all boats. Juan Soto, Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole, and the rest of the guys will, will, will follow up. I, I'm, I'm good with this offseason right now. They, they have shown me the sense of urgency that I was looking for after 82 and 80. There will be more moves during the season, approaching the deadline, if guys get hurt or the Yankees aren't winning and they feel like they don't have enough. 877-337-6666. Taking calls on the Yanks, taking calls on the Jets. I see a call about the Cowboys, and now we're going to mix the Mets into the conversation. I'll have some Mets thoughts right after this. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Make It Happen Mets. Are they going to make it happen with Jorge Soler? You know, it's funny, right? Almost 10 days ago, we got the report about the 10 million left around 10 million left that the Mets had to spend this offseason. And I just thought that was smoke and mirrors. I thought that was something to kind of maybe throw some people off. Um, But I guess there was some truth to that. But I think the conversation around Jorge Soler is still out there. And, you know, similar to what I was saying about the Yankees, right, as I bring the Mets into the conversation, the Yankees, all reports are saying the Yankees are done today. They don't have to be done today. But... Reports are saying this is the team. Those are the moves. This is how they're going to go into camp in less than a month. Like, now all the focus is shifted on, like, getting to spring training and reporting to spring training. I guess the same for the Mets. But then I saw this uh, way-too-early Mets 26-man roster prediction for 2024 on SNY that came out at, like, 4 o'clock today. Let's go through it. And Mets fans, call me up. Tell me what you think, what you don't think. Um... In this offseason, it was clear Yamamoto was the target. Yamamoto would have been the big fish to land. And, you know, I keep saying this. There were about eight teams in on Yamamoto, three finalists, but it was always the Dodgers. It was always Yamamotani. It just made too much sense. And 
the Yankees and Mets were used in negotiations to drive the price up for the Dodgers. And Otani kindly deferred all his money so his boy could come through. But when I'm looking at this Mets way too early lineup, the everyday lineup, a regular proposed lineup, leading off Francisco Alvarez catching, batting second, Pete Alonso playing first base, batting third, Jeff McNeil playing second base, batting fourth, Francisco Lindor playing shortstop, batting fifth, Brett Beatty playing third base, batting sixth, Brandon Nimmo in left field, batting seventh, Harrison Bader in center field, batting eighth, Starling Marte in right and ninth, last but not least, least your DH but I don't know if it doesn't have to be your DH Mark Vientos ready to roll content with that you know I, I started my show today telling Yankee fans hey moves were made I'm content with where the Yankees lineup is where the Yankees rotation is it's not exactly what our Christmas list was but it's good enough to go into camp and see how the season starts and make adjustments at the deadline when I look at this Mets lineup Harrison Bader is the big addition. And I, like, I'm not trolling. I'm not roasting. I'm not even trying to like joke or have fun. Like that's a scary proposition. And the Yankee fan listening understands why that's a scary proposition to have Harrison Bader as your everyday center fielder. When they signed him, most of us thought that he'd be a fourth outfielder, but this is the David Stearns era. David Stearns was in Milwaukee with the Brewers in division. They faced the Cardinals he saw that defense that Harrison Bader plays. One of the best defensive center fielders in the game. But he's injury prone. He claimed, he came over to the Yankees with plantar fasciitis. He had a hamstring. I think he had a concussion. And he had a spell of just like not being able to hit. He had a slump. He just was running into outs on the base pass when the Yankees really needed him the most. He, he was a spark plug at times. There was times where I was even saying... He is the second most important position player after Judge on this team. Um, he, he was making an impact, but it's just not consistent enough. 877-337-6666. Now, when you scroll down in this article and you look at the lineup, the starting rotation is Kodai Senga, Jose Quintana, Luis Severino, Sean Manaya, Adrian Hauser. And our good pal Salicata came out to say that Luis Severino could potentially be the ace of this staff. I think it's either Kodai Senga or Jose Quintana. I, I mean, I'm not joking or trolling again. I would love to see Luis Severino return to form. He couldn't figure it out with the Yankees. If he figures it out with the Mets, I'm not going to be salty about it. I'm not going to be mad about it. I'm going to be happy for the guy. That's our guy. That was our homegrown guy. The ace that was promised. It just didn't pan out. You know, he got a four-year, $40 million deal. He was hurt. He was never available. And then when he was available, he was ineffective. And then he ended his Yankee career on the aisle again. So if he's able to figure it out with the Mets on the other side of town, good for him. Last but not least, the Mets bullpen. Edwin Diaz, Brooks Raley, Ryan Stanek, Wandy Peralta. Did Wandy sign with the Mets? I think Wandy's still out there. That's not confirmed yet. Why would they put Wandy Peralta in there? Yeah, that's why this is the way too early. Because the Yankees, when I when I Google Wandy Peralta's name, the Yankees are still interested in bringing him back. Look, more crosstown crossover. Yankees versus Mets. Now we're fighting over Wandy Peralta. All right, let, we'll give you Wandy Peralta. Let's say Wandy Peralta's in the bullpen with Drew Smith, Jorge Lopez, Johan Ramirez, and Michael Tonkin. Let's see it. Mets fans, call me up. 
Tell me how you feel. Step right up and meet the Mets. Oh, last but not least, the bench. Joey Wendell. I, I just I don't rock with Joey Wendell from his time with the Tampa Bay Rays. You probably heard me already make some little sly comments and jokes about Joey Wendell being an MVP this season. No, he's not going to be an MVP this season. Tyrone Taylor, outfielder on the bench. Tomas Nito, catcher, and DJ Stewart. DJ Stewart is a wannabe Yankee killer. Uh, when he was with the Orioles, he he came to Yankee Stadium, tried to turn it on. Maybe uh, you know he'll he'll be uh, your eventual DH over Mark Vientos if Vientos struggles. But Mets fans, tell me how you feel. Are you ready to ride? Are you excited about opening day? Are you going down to Port St. Lucie for spring training? How many wins do you think this Mets team can get? 877-337-6666. Back to the phones we go. Yankee fans on the line. Jets fans on the line. Mark is in Jersey. Mark, you got it. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I think it's something that hasn't been talked about enough. It's underrated. The Yankees lineup, I just don't think it's good enough to potentially win the AL East and then do real good damage in the postseason. Okay, go on. Outside, outside of Judge, Soto, and Verdugo, who do you trust? And that's three guys. I'm not saying Judge and Soto aren't two of the best players, maybe arguably the best two hitters in the game, but you don't, your lineup is not deep enough to do any legit damage in the postseason. Says who? Let's, well, so let's go through it. Let's go through some names. A, a healthy Anthony Rizzo, left-handed bat. A healthy Anthony Rizzo that's not concussed. A healthy Anthony Rizzo that's in shape, doesn't have back issues. You don't fear Anthony Rizzo at the plate? Healthy, 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 healthy. With his concussions and he's getting older, I don't know if he's he, going to he be healthy. concussed last year because Fernando Tatis Jr. stepped back to the bag. He doesn't have multiple concussions. He is getting older, but he's a pro's pro, an all-star, a World Series champion, a guy that loves New York, loves playing in New York, and I think he's going to come back with a vengeance this year. John Carlos Stan, you think John Carlos Stan's completely cooked, done, washed, forget about him? I don't think completely cooked, but if your own uh, GM, whatever you want to call it, your own boss, says to the media that I think he's gone, how could I say he's not? That the, he, said he, he said he thinks he's what? He said he's injured and you can't trust him. No, what he said was... You know, being getting injured is part of his game because he's been hurt almost every year. But if you look at his comments from today, um, he talked about John Carlos Stanton and he said he's always been one of the most feared hitters in the game, and I think he's looking forward to getting back to that. So they're expecting a leaner, more in shape John Carlos Stanton with a chip on his shoulder, not done yet, returning to form. I don't think that's going to happen. I'll definitely be happy if it does happen, but I don't trust him. Are you familiar with Glaber Torres? I am. Glaber Torres just can't hit. He's you know non-factor in the Yankees lineup. He's he's not a non-factor. He's a very solid two sixty twenty seven eighty five player who's a very solid player. But if he's your fourth hitter on your average night, I don't no, think that's good. Why, who said he'd be the fourth hitter? He's just a, I think he's the third name I gave you outside of Verdugo, Soto, and Judge. He he's not gonna he's gonna be a sneaky six seven hitter. Let's continue. Anthony Volpe. I know everybody thinks Anthony Volpe sucks because he was 21 turning 22 as a rookie, and he was um, hitting 190. So everybody thinks that's just what his career is going to be. He's just going to be a 190-200 hitter. Right? That's what it looks like so far. Yeah, but he's like, I mean, if if you put me on the radio when I was 21-22, thanks for the call, Mark. I wouldn't sound like I sound now. You got to give this kid credit that, you know, he faced Major League Pitching for the first time 
at that young age, he took on all the pressure of being the Yankees shortstop, being compared to Derek Jeter. That's a lot for the guy. And he did have clutch moments, grand slams, walk-offs, home runs, big hits, getting on base. The Yankees did him wrong by moving him around. Oh, you're, you're going to bat ninth. Oh, you're going to bat seventh. Oh, you're going to say, oh, lead off for us now. Oh, judges hurt. Save us, young man. It's going to be a different year for Anthony Volpe. We don't know what DJ LeMayu is going to be, but I keep saying at the end of the season, a healthy DJ LeMayu with the guidance of Sean Casey, it seemed like they found something. They tapped into something. Who am I forgetting? Jose Trevino, Austin Wells at catcher. Jose Trevino had a bum wrist. Jose Trevino got shut down, but he was struggling at the pl- at the plate because his his wrist was hurt. The, the Yankees, he showed up to camp with a bum wrist. <laughs> and the Yankees just ran him out there. It seemed like the Yankees ran a bunch of guys out there last year that were hurt. I know I'm forgetting somebody. So we mentioned Verdugo. Let's say Verdugo for this conversation is the leadoff. Judge batting second. Juan Soto batting third. Anthony Rizzo, um, or I guess you would, we would want to split up the lefties. So Stanton batting fourth, Rizzo batting fifth, Glaber batting sixth, Volpe batting seventh. Who am I forgetting, folks? The catcher, Trevino. Oh, the DH is going to be, I don't know, I, I need to write it down. I'm, I'm blanking in my head. I know I'm forgetting somebody right now. Oh, I said Glaber Torres, right? Yeah, Glaber Torres. That lineup's not good enough to win? Do we have to pull up the Orioles lineup? Do we have to pull up the Rays lineup? Do we have to pull up the Boston Red Sox lineup? I don't know. If you Call up and do better than the lineup's not good enough, and then as we go through the names, it's like, that's not valid. Another thing I wanted to bring to the airwaves, shout out to MLB Network. Love you guys. Uh, see you when the season starts. But I, I've been inside the beast. I understand there are a ton of smart people at MLB Network. Like, when you go to MLB Network and you have a show at MLB Network, they print out these packets that have literally daily books of, like, everything that happened in baseball. Every stat, all this extra information, stuff that I just, like, honestly, like, I'll, I'll look through it, but I'm like, I don't need this. I'm just going to go off of what I saw on Quick Pitch last night. <laughs> but there are smart people at Major League Baseball, and I know that Yankee fans are up in arms, speaking of Glaber Torres, about Glaber Torres not making MLB Network's top second baseman list. I saw Pete Alonso was number six on the top first baseman list. But you got to think, right? These are for TV and these are for digital. And you got to leave somebody out. And what I always say, Yankees for clicks, you leave a Yankee out, the Yankees have the most fans, the biggest fan base. Guess who's going to be making the most noise? Like, hey, where's Glaber Torres? This, this list sucks. He made the fan list. I think they also left out Ozzy Albies. And Ozzy Albies, obviously, there's a ton of Braves fans. Ozzy Albies deserves to be on the list. Hurt or not, he's one of the best second basemen in the game. Yeah, I'll pull up the list. I'll pull up the uh, MLB Network list and then the fan vote list for second base, top second baseman in the game and top first baseman in the game because we have Glaber Torres missing from one and then we have Pete Alonso in the other. So 877-337-6666. A lot more to do. Keep McPherson on the fan. I'll be right back. You're still here. B-R-O-O-K-L-Y-N. Come again? Yeah, we don't talk about the Brooklyn Nets. I did Talking Nets if you want to go listen to the new Talking Nets podcast. Shout out to Alex. Shout out to all the Brooklyn Nets fans that still pull up and watch live and 
are going through this misery. The team sucks. I stayed up. Like, I was on the fan last night. Brooklyn Nets radio started. I listened to Capper and Carino bring the game in. I got home. I watched the game. I stayed up. Like, the one night that I could go to sleep uh, before a.m. time, I still stayed up into the morning to watch the Nets find a way to lose. 87-7, So we were talking Mets. I just mentioned the Nets. And I know there's a lot of Mets, Nets, Jets fans. And now there's a lot of Jets fans on the line. Joe is in North Syracuse. What's up, Joe? You got it. Hey, Keith. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Uh, so I'm, I'm a 37-year-old diehard Jet fan, and I could go on a rant a mile long about the misery that it is to be a Jet fan. And I'm not saying you're wrong about what you're saying about Salah, but the one thing – they probably had the worst quarterback play in the NFL this year. I mean, I don't know for a hundred percent fact, but it seemed that way. And and they still won seven games without a real quarterback, right? So, yeah. I mean, you put all your eggs in the Rogers basket already. You're gonna have to run it back. They got to show up the line. They need another weapon, and you hope he stays healthy. And if he can, you know, they could be a playoff team if he's healthy. Yeah, I know that's that's the way to look at it from the bright side. And you should, as a fan of the team that's gone through a lot of misery, you were still able to get seven wins. I just look at it as back-to-back years defaulting into Zach Wilson when you knew he wasn't the guy. We all knew he wasn't the guy. And then even when you got some good play out of him, it's it's compounded, right? Joe Douglas is at fault for not going to get a veteran quarterback better than a Trevor Trevor Simeon, not having a third-string quarterback better than Tim Boyle, not having a backup behind Aaron Rodgers in his old age, knowing that you're one play away from being the starter. Zach didn't develop in just a preseason. The joke I used to make was they thought smelling Aaron Rodgers' breath was going to make him an NFL-caliber quarterback. (laughs) It did not. It did not. So this could have been avoided, is what I'm trying to say. And the it, fact it that, could've. yeah, the fact that that they went through the the same thing twice, you know, it, it, it's tough to deal with. But yeah, you got to look forward into next year. You know, Zach Wilson's not going to be here again now. So no, fool me once, fool me twice. It, it won't happen a third time. You got to hope that they do the right things this offseason. I think they're very motivated to do that. And I do think you can overcome Rob Sala. I think he's a nice guy. From what I hear, he's a good man, good human, yeah. good father, and all of that. But, like, I'm a football guy. I'm watching football, and I'm looking at the football coaches that impact the game. That's why I've given so many examples of Mike Vrabel getting something out of his team when they had nothing to play for. Brian Dable competing with playoff teams down the stretch. D'Amico Ryans in a game basically tipping his player off. Hey, this pass is going to come your way. You eye up the quarterback, step in front of it, pick the ball. The guy said, yes, sir, and then he went and did it. Mike Tomlin having to go to Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph was contemplating ending his NFL career and going into real estate with his dad. That's who you had the the end of the season, and you got the team to rally around enough to win and get to the playoffs. There are NFL coaches that find a way. They they don't they they don't give up. And I don't want to say Rob Sala gave up, but it's just like, what did he do to affect winning? What did he do to really get this team um to where they could have possibly ended the drought? It's like, I don't know. I, I think they're all at fault. I do it's not just Rob Sala. It's a it's a whole franchise fail. Yeah, I I agree with you there. And the other thing with Salah and and Wilson is how much, I mean, do we really believe Salah really liked them that much or was he just shoved out? No, and that was the problem too. See, every host here watches 
Rob Sala's press um, or post game press conference and his little media availability media availability during the week, right? And we read context clues and we can read between the lines. We we knew he didn't want to keep running Zach Wilson yeah. out, out there. So why were they? And we knew that when they even when they went to Tim Boyle, he told us, yeah, Zach Wilson gave us the best opportunity to win. Then why are you going to Timmy Boyle with the season on the line where you could that be eliminated is, yeah, behind these? It make it make sense. None of it made sense. And these NFL games and seasons are precious. You are wasting these talented defensive players and some offensive players like Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. You're wasting their bodies. You're wasting their times. You're yeah. wasting years in their career. And my biggest problem with uh, the whole Zach Wilson situation is he shouldn't have been on the team anyway. As soon as you get Aaron Rodgers, you can't tell me that you have confidence in Zach Wilson. You got Aaron Rodgers because you don't have confidence. Yeah, exactly. In Zach you, you moved. You moved uh, heaven and earth to get Aaron Rodgers, which basically this kid sat there and watched everybody celebrate Mike White the season before the season yep. ends. Mike White goes on to the Dolphins, and then you do everything. To get Aaron Rodgers in here, and he was down for it because he's an Aaron Rodgers fan. But ultimately, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is the reason that he was quarterback too. Yeah, I'm going to take him under my wing. It'll be all right. He's going to learn my system. He's not going to have to play four plays, and he has to play. And then also, and I honestly have a bigger problem with Joe Douglas than yeah, I Joe Douglas. I, that's what I, I was saying during the season, Joe Douglas, come to the front. You can't hide. We need explanations. We need answers for this. Did did Aaron Rodgers tell you that Joe Flacco wasn't worth bringing in? It would have obviously been different with that offensive line versus the Browns offensive line. But there were other quarterbacks out there, right? We just saw the Rams in the playoff. Carson Wentz was backing up Matt Stafford. He was trying to get a job. There was rumors that he checked in with the, the Jets. Like, how did Trevor Simeon become the option for the Jets where he started the last few games? There were better options out there. Oh, well, he dropped off. Let's see what the next Jets fan on the line would like to say. Ron is down in Tom's River. What's up, Ronnie? How you doing, pal? Good, good, good. How are you? First off, I'm not a Jet fan. I'm a big Giant fan, but okay. I'm calling. <laughs> Sorry for assuming. Uh, I just, I'm going off of the topic on the screen. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. And I'm just calling to kind of uh, not defend Robert Sala, but um, just to kind of dispute some of the things you've been saying because – uh, I think a lot of the stuff was not prepared correctly. Um, you're sitting there defending Brian Dable over with the Giants because he beat uh, a Packer team that, that uh, you know, was a 500 team basically during a regular season. And I wouldn't say I'm and, defending and Brian Dable because obviously beat. Brian Dable has come under fire in these last couple of weeks. But what I'm saying is I'm using Brian Dable as an example how come his teams were ready to compete against playoff teams down the stretch? Ready to compete against what? The, 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 the Jets played Houston. The, 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 the guy that Houston is the greatest coach in the world. They beat him 37-6. Didn't say he was the greatest coach in the world. And Houston the, the, the Houston definitely walked into that ass whooping in, in, the, in the elements. They knocked C.J. Stroud out. I give him credit for that win. But this team took what a about, nosedive. Did they play the Giants? Did the Jets play the Giants? They did. They beat the Giants. They beat the Giants, right. Did the Jets play Buffalo? Is Buffalo a good team? The Jets beat Buffalo. Week one, yeah. We, we, did the Jets beat, play the Eagles when they were the best team in football at 6-0? and Yeah, where are we, go, yeah. Where are we going with? We're going, we're going backwards, though. I'm talking defense. about down the stretch when the team was eliminated, having a coach get these guys to rally around something to go out there and play. They looked unprepared down the stretch. Yeah. I understand that, but you're, you're, you're totally – the Jets have the worst quarterback situation in football. Look look at Bill 
Bill Belichick when he lost the quarterback. His team. I, I mean, the Jets. I don't know. I think office, I think we can we can pick different spots. Tommy DeVito went went out there and won games. Brian Dable had him prepared. I think Tyrod Taylor. Game. What did the Giants finish? They finished with a worse record than the Jets. Yeah, but they were able to beat teams <laughs> down the stretch. What I'm saying is, beat? what I'm saying is, your head coach is supposed to have the team ready to fight. Play spoiler. There were times down the stretch with the Jets where it's like they couldn't get anything. So I guess you can absolve Rob Sala as a head coach because of the quarterback. But there are other coaches in this league that they're not just laying down. They're not just well, the submitting. Jets, the Jets put all they they put everything in the Aaron Rodgers basket at the beginning of the year. Everything. The, the, the whole. The whole concept of the front office was we know, and when that ends four plays in and your basket breaks, get another basket. Thanks for the call, Ron. The real conversation, and like I said, I don't even want to have this conversation because we should be moving on to the offseason. The conversation around Salah is that he hasn't shown you he's a good head coach. And I guess you can deflect and say he hasn't had a quarterback. I guess that's easy. But we watched the entire NFL Go to backup quarterbacks. We watched Jake Browning. We watched Nick Mullins. Gardner Minshew. You could keep going, looking around the league at all of these teams. Even, like I said, across MetLife Stadium. Tommy Cutlets, an undrafted rookie, is going out there getting wins. How? He's coached up. How? He's prepared. And Trevor Simeon and Timmy Boyle down the stretch, it wasn't good enough. And when Aaron Rodgers goes down four plays in, you have more than enough time to say, all right, we're not going to roll with Zach Wilson for six, seven weeks. We're going to make a move. They didn't, and it's done. It's in the past, but those are back-to-back wasted seasons, and now all of these generational coaches were fired for less and have come available, and it seems like typical Jets. You're running it back with a coach that that we don't know if he's a good enough coach to win, and you're going to have to overcome him and his coaching staff with a 40-year-old quarterback and hope that Joe Douglas, who didn't get you a backup quarterback, didn't get you an offensive line, somehow miraculously figures all that out in the next seven months. 877-337-6666. Coming up, my Casamigos big shot of the night. And whatever you guys want to talk about sports-related in the open mic last hour of the show, KM to AM returns right after this. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.